Raptors Reasonless is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So if you want to get a little second round of the playoff rematch action in with the Philadelphia 76ers on Monday, see R.J. Barrett's first game in Toronto on Wednesday, uh, or any of the number of home games that the Raptors have coming up in December, the GameTime app is where you should head. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to this bonus episode of the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, as almost always, Eric Green. Eric, what's going on, man? When you say bonus episode, I feel like you should have those horns that go off when the Raptors hit a three-pointer, like the most annoying horns in the world. Um, I'm still quite annoyed that they didn't take my idea for um, each player's scoring drop this year. Uh, well, I wanted it. As somebody who I, I believe invented the complaining about game ops on Twitter genre, uh, get in line, buddy. Get in line with your complaints. Nah, it's fine. I don't need to complain that much. I just wanted an excuse to hear Coheed every time Matt Thomas drills a three, you know? That's uh, all I wanted. As did three other people, I'm sure. We're not talking about Matt Thomas today. We're not talking about Unless any... we are. No, I'm going to come out right out and say it. He's uh, He's been on the team for one month of this decade. You're caught, Matt Thomas. That's not enough. That's not enough today. We're talking about... The Toronto Raptors all-decade team, as decided by me, the arbiter of all things Toronto Raptors, apparently. Uh, We were asked as part of an athletic-wide end-of-decade project to come up with an all-decade team for uh, whatever team we cover. I took the assignment while Eric focused on a very good feature piece on the Kyle Lowry trade, which you can read on theathletic.com slash Raptors or slash Toronto or slash whatever Eric's author code is. Uh, You can find mine on those places as well. Uh, I took a little bit of a different spin to the all-decade team, as you might have expected I would, uh, such that one co-worker responded to the copy of the article with, and quote, you are a delightfully sick fuck. And I confirmed with producer Tyler before the episode that we're allowed to say fuck words on the podcast. So, um, Eric, that was you. That was you. Who? <laughs> what, what's your gripe with the way I've attacked the all-decade project? Well, I think uh, I don't have a gripe. I think it's great, um, but it's just like perfectly on brand, and it's very no half measures. Like this is a project sort of designed to be a discussion piece, and like you just bang it out and you talk about the best players. It's a chance for nostalgia, and you're like, no, I'm going to take players from individual seasons. Uh, and I'm going to prorate their salaries to current numbers to make sure they all fit under the luxury tax of a modern NBA team. And this can't just be about picking 15 players because that would be too easy and I would have less work to do. It would be too easy. It would also be, I think, not boring, but it's just like the Raptors are so... If you were picking an all-decade team based on the 15 best Raptors, it would be entirely self-evident for, like, 13 of those spots. I agree. Not, 
Yeah, you could quibble with who starts and who comes off the bench or whatever, but the Raptors ones would be very obvious. The start of the decade was the Raptors trying to climb out of that perpetual afterthought status that the decade began with the team going 40 and 42 under Jay Triano. Uh, Brian Colangelo let go not long after that. Uh, Dwayne Casey had been brought in between then uh, to maybe tank according to Colangelo, but maybe Casey didn't get the message and maybe Ben Uzo didn't get the message. Anyway, Masai Ujiri comes in, starts building yeah, instead of tearing things down uh, because the Raptors get accidentally good. And then fast forward a few years and a few of those early, early pieces or the pieces he inherited become some of the best Raptors of all time and certainly the best Raptors of the decade. So when we were told to do this, the only instruction we were given was to come up with an all-decade team. Before we get into debating, because I'm sure people will have some gripes if they just look at the roster, uh, here are some of the things that I considered. Number one, uh, one year per player. And what I mean by that is that Kyle Lowry as the starting point guard is obvious. It is not interesting to name Kyle Lowry the starting point guard on the all-decade team when he has been the starting point guard on the team for seven of the, the years in question and is the best Raptor of all time. I wanted more of a challenge, so we have to pick one Kyle Lowry season to be on the All-Decade team. Uh, The next thing is, oh yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, People told me I can't include 2009-2010 because only part of that is in this decade. And then it's obviously too early for 2019-2020, which will also include only part of the the season in the decade. So we're looking at a nine-year window here. Uh, The other thing, the other big one was role specificity which I mean by saying I couldn't, if I were to go with DeMar DeRozan as the starting shooting guard, for example, I can't bump Danny Green to the bench. Danny Green is only eligible for the starting shooting guard role because that's the only role he played. Um, You see that down the line, the Raptors have had a lot of good centers come through this decade, but a lot of those centers were either the starter or the backup, and you can't, I didn't allow myself to just bump them down the line. Uh, That gets extra interesting toward the back of the roster where, uh, you know, I might have a different opinion on who might makes the best 15th man than other people do. Um, there were some ancillary factors as well. How much a player may have meant to the franchise or the fan base, uh, iconic moments, you know, playoff performances were a nice tiebreaker or a nice bump. Um, I tried to keep fit and lineup in mind. Mostly I just wanted to make sure we'd have a good Lowry and bench lineup because Lowry and bench lineups have always been uh, so good. For the Raptors. And then the other element was I wanted to stay on brand. Uh, and what I mean by that is that in addition to being very specific about the roles and very specific about what years we picked, I was keeping in mind what the 905 would look like, uh, near term and long term. And yes, as Eric mentioned, I adjusted all salaries to 2019 20 cap dollars and made sure the team stayed under the luxury tax, which you know, came up a couple times because when I was choosing between seasons for certain guys, you know, do you pick before an extension? Do you pick after an extension if it's a slightly better year? Um, I think the team we have turned out pretty good. Uh, their win shares total 84. So this team's going to go 84 and negative two. If you want to consider win shares additively, uh, they are $1.6 million below the tax in adjusted 2019, 2020 cap dollars. Uh, the team will be covered by beat writer of the decade, Eric Kareen, The Athletic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, to get ahead of this, yes, uh, the first mailbag question will be, should the Raptors trade for Kenneth Freed? <laughs> the Raptors do still hold Nando Nicola's restricted free agency rights, 
And I have nominated Gravis Vasquez as the GoDaddy commercial, <laughs> even though he's not on the roster. <laughs> what do you think Gravis would sell, Eric? Uh, himself. Like, is there any doubt? He would just sell himself, like, just evenings with himself, uh, like, like dinner dates, basically. Um, Maybe the most important moment of this entire decade, Eric, was when Gravis Vasquez led the league in assists. (laughs) I thought you were going to say when he he compared Kevin Durant to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or when he shimmied back down the court, you know, Gravis had a lot of big moments. Uh, the joke, the inside joke there is that Gravis Vasquez would always bring up that he led the league in, in total assists one year. In a humble which way. Which is true. That's a true thing that happened, yeah. which is funny you, to think of. If you, right, li- Eric. if you like your statistics cumulative, then that is true. Hey, availability is, is still an ability. Yes, it's the most important ability, as we might talk about with what I think is going to be our first spot. Yeah, we're talking about the starting point guard position. Yeah, so obviously there are a bunch of good Kyle Lowry seasons to prove from, uh, to decide from. He was, as I'm looking at your notes, the starting point guard in all but two of the seasons considered. Jose Calderon. Shout out to Jose Calderon. Yes. Um, Gets the other two nods, so really only considering Lowry. How'd you come to your decision? So 2015-16... Uh, was the year that I chose. Um, His 11.6 win shares that season are the fourth highest in Raptors history. Uh, It's only his second best himself. Uh, Lowry's 2013-14 was actually a better uh, regular season by win shares. Um, But his player impact plus minus, which comes from Jacob Goldstein, it's my favorite kind of impact stat to use in my articles. Uh, Lowry's impact of 5.1 points per 100 possessions is by far the largest of any Raptor in this uh, eligible for for this spot. Um, I also leaned 2015-2016 with the cap in mind because he only earned $12 million that year. Uh, It was one of the, you know, three most important Raptors. If you want to get into butterfly effect stuff and the fact that if the Raptors had been bounced in the first round that year, uh, they might have been blown up and, and not in a position to capitalize for the title. I think you could call this one of the three most important Raptor season, individual Raptor seasons of all, of all time, along with um, Vince's dunk contest year and Kawhi Leonard's championship season. Uh, pretty good Kyle Lowry year. And then you also, he struggled early in the playoffs shooting the ball that year, but he was absolutely incredible in the Miami series and very, very good against Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Eric, do you have an issue with me having Kyle, 2015-16 Kyle Lowry? In I don't have a strong take against it. I, I think... Some of his numbers were better the following year, but he was also injured, missed uh, 22 games. uh, And a lot of those were because you'll remember him with his wrist wrapped, I believe, at the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. People wondering, is that a thing? That was a fun night. Is he golfing? That was a fun night on Twitter. Is that like golfing? Is that the best athletic or, or the Toronto Raptors reporter night on Twitter? And by best, I mean worst of the decade. It's got to be up there. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. Um, so. The only other one, like maybe I look to 13, 14, because he's still on his old salary at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think you took the right year. Um, I'm, I'm fairly confident you did. Uh, and I, I think his Game 7 performance against Miami remains one of the most iconic 
performances in franchise history. At least it should remain what as was such. It, 35 points? It was something like 35, 8, and 7 or something like that. Something absurd. A few steals, too. He was great uh, in that game, and that means you get that type of performer on this team. I'm not going to argue with you here, and obviously $12 million, although a bigger chunk of the cap back then, uh, is not a huge chunk, and you're getting the the best possible version of Kyle Lowry in his age 29 season. Yes, it's eighteen point seven million in twenty nineteen twenty twenty cap dollars, which so is still pretty good. Which is less than uh, thirty three million, thirty four sure million. Uh, one thing that stuck out in deciding on a Lowry season is just like we know this, but to quantify just how much more important Lowry was this decade than anyone else, including Demar Derozan, and yeah, he ended up with you know tw- his the twenty eighteen twenty nineteen to to use the numbers or whatever, but. Lowry has has been worth 64.1 win shares during this decade. DeMar is next with 51.7. JV is the only other player with more than 28. And Lowry's at 64. And that's just the regular season. That yeah. guy, man. Good, good guy at basketball. The, um. the captain of the all-decade team. <laughs> uh, a fine choice. And you also got performative uh, shooting displays after he's struggled in a playoff game, which is good for off-day content. Kyle was, yeah, Kyle, that was the playoffs. That was probably the playoffs Kyle was the best quote at any point in his career because Kyle's always a better quote when things are going poorly for him. Yes. Uh, you so want you self-loathing. Get, you get one, one series of good content. You want self-loathing Kyle Lowry. You don't want we things. Can, we, we couldn't relate. No, I, I, I am only insightful about myself when things are going well, which has never happened. I think, so it's fine. I think the next two are fairly self-evident. Um, starting at shooting guard, 2017-2018, DeMar DeRozan. It was once he had made the improvements as a playmaker, as a pick-and-roll operator. Um, he at least had the threat of a three-point shot a little bit that year. By far, in terms of impact stats, his best season as a Raptor. And he got good enough to be trade bait for Kawhi Leonard, um, who is the starting small forward. Kawhi Leonard's 2018-2019, which is, uh, had he played a full schedule, would be unquestionably the best season in Raptors history. Because it was only 60 games, you can maybe quibble with that. Um, but DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard, you know, people uh, people ask, well, what if the Raptors could have got Kawhi Leonard without moving DeMar DeRozan? We find out. On the all-decade team. They Eric, go. any issue with uh, my DeMar choice? Or would you rather have had like 12 games of James Johnson or 40 of DeMar <laughs> Carroll in the small forward spot? Um, I mean, first of all, two guys at or near max money, at least when they were given these uh, contracts. Um, yes. So that's a factor. I don't have an issue. You can't have a team like this on it without DeRozan. Did you give Danny Green saying that? Did you give Danny Green any thought just because you were you did give some thought toward fit and you know with Lowry and Leonard those are two guys used to having the balls the ball in their hands. This obviously creates another person used to having the ball in his hands with DeRozan. Did you even give Danny Green a notional uh, thought before selecting DeRozan? I did. But as I mentioned earlier, there were also some ancillary factors that I considered, some of which were the general importance to the franchise, how much you meant, um, you know, just general importance. And I feel like DeMar 
wins out there. The salary was the toughest thing with DeMar to work in. I, I came back to this and thought about picking an earlier year uh, to save a little bit of money under the tax, but I made those changes elsewhere because I feel like DeMar was dramatically better in his final season as a Raptor. Um, whereas he had always been a, a good scorer, like a very good scorer for years. Uh, this was the, really the first time he was driving team performance and was also improved as a playmaker. Um, you know, other than that, like eight game stretch when PJ Tucker showed up and made him play defense. Uh, <laughs> this was uh, the best version of DeRozan. It, this was probably the toughest start. Uh, not the toughest starting lineup one. This The shooting guard spot was a little tough just because of DeMar's salary and the fact that his actual impact on games never quite met his reputation or his popularity but his reputation his popularity and his importance to the franchise are all factors that i weighed so and also and also he did impact games just not as much as that so i I don't have a problem with it but just because we saw how good of a fit danny green was next to those two guys especially over the course of 82 I, i was wondering if you gave it a thought i did give it some thought it just it was hard not to include demar somewhere you know i also you know uh full disclosure didn't want the comments and mentions if i left demar off the team coward yeah look the team's gonna win 84 games and lose negative two games it's fine yeah starting at power forward this was an interesting one because there were a lot of a lot of candidates depending on how you want to go back and frame which position they played. Andrea Bargnani and Amir Johnson, both candidates at different times. Luis Scola had a, had a fun year playing the first six minutes of each half as the starting power forward. Um, rookie Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka as a power forward. And then the what I think is a pretty obvious choice, 2018-2019 Pascal Siakam. Yeah, he was a borderline all-star on a rookie contract. I don't think you can debate that whatsoever mm-hmm. uh the other options Bargnani's not sniffing this team uh my favorite thing maybe about all of this is that Patrick Patterson doesn't qualify as a starting power forward in in any of these seasons he can't uh, yes he cannot start he can't do it clearly <laughs> we'll get to Patrick Patterson maybe yeah um you know, now, I'm, I'm fond difficult- of I'm I'm fond of Amir's impact. Uh, we'll get to him too, possibly, but uh, I think the just based on production for uh, for value, you're it's a no brainer. This was now the toughest position on the entire roster to fill, the starting center position. Your candidates, if you go back again, you could include Amir Johnson or Andrea Bargnani. Jonas Valanciunas held that spot down for years, and he held it down uh, pretty capably. But there are a lot of different Jonas Valanciunas options within that. Then you also have Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka with a split season, um, both of which I kind of discounted in the starting center role because it was a split season. I think it needed to be Jonas Valanciunas, but choosing a season was difficult. Uh, a lot of JV seasons were very similar when you look at a per minute or, or impact base. Uh, I went with 2015-16. I think 2017-2018 was his best season. Uh, And 2018-19, actually before the trade, was the best he's ever looked defensively. Uh, However, 2015-2016 saves us a lot of money and also gets him, uh, we get the playoff version of Jonas Valanciunas when apparently Hassan Whiteside just really insulted him somehow because Pre-injury, Jonas Valanciunas in that Heat series was unbelievable. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think the salary factors in, obviously. Uh, I'm just looking up Amir Johnson's starting numbers here to see if I can make an Amir Johnson argument against you because that was my corner for a while, just saying Amir Johnson to people and then having people get mad at me. So I, I don't want to lose yeah. my brand. Uh, Look, so we speak. were all there with Amir. The other, the tough part with Amir too is like, there were some seasons where he only started part-time. Yeah. Uh, there were some seasons where it's unclear whether he was the power forward or center. Like, like not unclear, but you could call it either one. And then I maybe excluded Amir, not excluded him entirely, but didn't mind cutting him because I knew there would be a place for him somewhere else. Uh, yeah. So in terms of like getting the best players onto your roster, I think it's the right move. I think this, you know, having a, re- uh, a gr- elite rebounder is very important here. Amir Johnson, 2010, 2011, 80, or 72 games, PR of 17.6, uh, 14.7 rebounding percentage. So obviously that would hurt the team, but you've got Kawhi Leonard uh, helping out a bit there, uh, a bit there uh, above his, uh, you know, where, what you'd expect from a position. And uh, you're a great, defensive uh your defensive versatility is just crazy there uh aside from DeRozan uh so I think the first year of the decade is probably where you go to uh find an Amir season saying that I I think you're prob this is and especially when factoring in the ancillary factors of you know uh fan favorite loyalty to the team what he meant to the team uh JV from that season is the best and you get him on his substantial, but not, uh, not huge rookie contract. And like I said, we find a spot for Amir elsewhere. Let's go into what our ben- what my bench mob is here uh, in general, just so we don't spend too much time on, on each one. Uh, your second unit on the all decade team, 2016, 2017, Fred Van Vliet. That's the bench mob year. Fred Van Vliet. Obviously, I felt some representative of that second unit, that particular second unit, needed to be here. It's also Van Vliet pre-extension, so he's very, very cheap for our purposes. Uh, The backup shooting guard, you can't have an all-decade second unit without the only Raptor to ever win sixth man of the year, Lou Williams. Uh, The small forward and power forward positions go to two of the quintessential Lowry and Bench guys in 2013-14, Terrence Ross, and 2014-15, Patrick Patterson. And then rounding out the bench is a guy who would have fit perfectly with any Lowry and Bench units, 2012-13, Amir Johnson, where he came off the bench for 43 out of 81 games, so he just barely qualifies. Um, It's the only season other than his first season as a Raptor where he would qualify by my standards as a bench guy. Um, and I, yeah, I worked it out there that his, his 2012, 13 season as a part-time bench guy was actually even better than his 2010, 2011, um, analytically where he was mostly starting. So I feel like we get a better version of Amir Johnson this way as well. Um, even though he's a little bit more expensive, the salaries with him and JV swapping these years and the rolls out, I think we come away with some pretty good center depth here and a killer Lowry and bench lineup. Uh, certainly you did that. Uh, I have one big question for you. Are you concerned okay. that DeMar DeRozan and Amir Johnson are going to miss 
having Sonny Weems out there. Although I guess, sorry, Sonny Weems only eligible to start at small forward for this team. Yes. And only, yeah, he only was on the team in 2010-2011, and he's up against Kawhi Leonard. I feel like the, I feel like having Kawhi Leonard would help make them feel better about not having Sonny Weems. Uh, yeah, if you're into that type of thing, I guess. Um, I do have one possible argument. I'm just looking up his numbers from that year as we speak. This is fascinating uh, audio content. Yeah, I, thought, I thought we prepped for this. What's going on? Man? Yeah, it's fine. Look, Clearly, I, I put a lot more work into my article than you did. Yes. Uh, Alan Anderson, 2012, 2013. Uh, only 12.6 per. Uh, but his, what did he shoot from three? Let's see. 33%. Not that great. Oh, man. my God. No, he's yeah, at, he, oh, he yeah. also only shot 38% overall. This is a, yeah, never this mind. Is a very big, um, our memories don't. I thought he was much better than he, he was. As he well. was better in his first stint with uh, the Raptors yeah. uh, or, or the first but at no point partial season. Uh, sure. No, but did shoot. uh or 39.3% from deep in 2011-12, but only in 17 games. Uh, Also still ended up being below average true efficiency, or true shooting, sorry. Yeah. Do you you think uh, if, uh, I know you haven't named a coach for your team, if Dwayne Casey were the coach of the team, would Patrick Patterson and Amir Johnson be playing fourth quarter minutes ahead of JV and Pascal Siakam? Yes. Also, John Sammons will be playing ahead of Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. And also, may I ask, where's Chuck Hayes? <sighs> I know, man. This is the thing. They have so many. The can the competition for backup center and third string center was so deep. They've had so many good bad center or not bad, but good um, like end of bench centers. Uh, it's it was tough. To be honest, I'm a bit concerned. I, I mean, I've seen your final three guys, and, and we'll get into that. Uh, maybe we'll just save it for the overall for the end. Uh, sure. I I think for for my nitpicking of of your eighty four win team, uh, you know I, I I think Amir is the right call. You could probably make a bit of a case for uh, bench mob Jakob Pertl, um, but and it, it would say it would have saved money too. But we got below the tax like this. Yeah, like that is just like Amir was worth worth over seven win shares. That yeah, year. that is that's a tough reserve year to compete. Yeah, CJ Miles uh, with Terry. Uh, maybe you you can consider that, but Miles is on a bigger contract, I believe. Uh, I think. Which year? Also, which year of, of my- Ross did you take? I went with 2013-14, so he's very cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I also factored in with Ross, you get the Kenneth Freed dunk. Yes. Um, and I did say that I, I factored in things like big moments. Yeah, but CJ Miles clowned Washington in that one game in the fourth quarter, and that was fun. Yeah. But uh, we you get a, a dunk contest and the free dunk with... with look, I'm stuff. trying to be argumentative here, because I just don't yeah, want to agree fine. with you uh, all the yeah. time. Uh, I, I feel a bit bad for the early teams, which are, you know, other than Amir Johnson, are, are getting shut out. Uh, well, those teams were bad, and the later teams were yeah. good. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and make a pace, case for Jose Calderon 2012-13 over uh, Fred Van Vliet. 
mostly because Calderon would be starting by uh, game 40 of, <laughs> of your season over Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to Landry Fields or James Johnson or Linus Claza, but, you know, you got to you got to make tough cuts somewhere. Yeah, easy button, uh, easy button. James Johnson would be a fun ad on this team, I must say. All right. The way I did the depth pieces is uh, I chose a third point guard and a third center. And then the final three spots were just open. You generally these teams generally had a third center. They generally had a third point guard. I wanted to stick to that format and then do whatever I felt like in the other three spots. Uh, my third string point guard is 2015-16 DeLon Wright. So we lose bench mob DeLon Wright, who was a better DeLon Wright because he was really the backup shooting guard that year. Instead, we go with the earlier version of DeLon Wright, who also props up Raptors 905. And then for the third string center, the choice that I think will probably... Because you mentioned Chuck Hayes, there are some other names in the mix there. As the third string center, I went with 2016 2017 Lucas Noguera, the most efficient scoring season of the decade for any Raptor, uh, in criminally low usage because he would do things like pass up alley oop dunks for kickouts to the corner. But uh, another key part of some Lowry and bench units, uh, also just very fun. It's a great Bebe year. Bebe's getting the nod as the third center. I think on the court, you can't argue with that. Uh, I think now's the time I can get into my argument. Are you worried about team chemistry at all and, and sort of veteran experience uh, at the end of the bench? Like, I think it's a is real... This, where, this is where Chuck Hayes comes in. I mean, Chuck Hayes or even Aaron Gray. Um, although I, I would, you know, you know how I'm partial to the week in the life guys. So I, I would probably take the Chuck Hayes... Uh, who hit that 20, what year did he hit a 20 footer in the playoffs? It was like the longest shot he'd ever hit. Uh, it was great. Um, and, and yeah, like maybe you need that sort of calming voice for when DeMar's uh, going through a slump or, or Terrence is, is, you know, seeding to Lou Williams and the offense and can't really focus on, on is having trouble focusing on the other stuff he can do, like defending. Maybe it would help to have a Chuck, a voice like Chuck Hayes to have there. It could. We The roster does skew pretty young. You've got Kawhi, Damar, and Kyle as leaders. Um, but then with a lot of guys, I chose younger years because it helped They're save cheaper. a little bit of money or because it bet fit, best fit the narrative I was crafting. Um, and, yeah, and like, uh, other than Kyle, okay. who's your who's your vocal guy? That's it, Kyle. But I mean, Kyle's, you know, that 2015-2016 that year... He could be a divisive voice, though. I'm just saying. Yeah, but you've got two lead by example guys in Damar and Kawhi. Mm. Hope you're uh, Lou will. (laughs) Yeah, you you want the team following Lou? I mean, yeah. Plus, I mean, Amir was like kind of a quiet leader too. I I just think you have enough. Okay, fine. And we're we're gonna have one more in one of the deep bench spots too. Although very young at that point, but still a guy who grew into being one of those leader types. So yes, Uh, I'm excited Uh, for that. My next two guys. 13th and 14th men. Uh, 2015-16 Norman Powell. That was when he was bouncing all over between a number of different roles. Uh, This is kind of a fortunate... Like, Norman Powell hasn't really changed over five years. So getting this version is the same as getting almost any version. Um, The thing here is that this was the one year where he didn't have a consistent role. So it lets us kind of cheat him into a third string role 
um, because he wasn't the starter consistently and he wasn't the backup consistently. So I feel good about that one, even though analytically it wasn't super strong. I just think that's a really versatile uh, a versatile piece as far as a 13th man goes. Might win, you a, game, man, might win you a game in the playoffs too. Just saying. Could do. Could do. And then 14th man, I went with 2012-2013 Quincy Acey. Uh, as I noted in the piece, you want, and this to, to your point, deep on the bench, you want high character culture setters. Nobody fits that as well as Quincy AC. Um, he also teased some three-point shooting this year that eventually became a big part of his profile. And if you put Quincy AC in the system now with the 905 and, and you know the shooting development they've been able to do with a lot of other guys, maybe he becomes a three-point shooter even earlier. For sure. Gripes here? Um, Gripes here? I, I'm trying to find some, and I, I really can't. I mean, I'm impressed by you keeping Alfonso McKinney off you know, from, from yeah, showing a little restraint, uh, you know, Jared Sollinger, you don't want out there. May, maybe could, was there a rule that you couldn't put a, a player on twice? Cause you could have gone with 2016, 17, Fred Van Vliet backing up uh, as the 13th man to Fred Van Vliet from 2017, 18. Yeah, no, you could only one year per player. Hmm. All right. That's it. Otherwise, because I mean, then I could have got really, I could have had a two Amir Johnsons on this team just to make you happy. I could have, you know, I could have gotten really cheap with it and had two Kyle Lowry's on the team. So whose who's tattoo are you getting if you're not getting a Greg Monroe tattoo? Because he doesn't make the team. Yeah, he's not on the team. I don't, uh, this Pro- is something, prob- maybe I'll get a Red Hot Chili Peppers tattoo for, <laughs> for Bebe. Charlie Chaplin tattoo, but for his music, not for his acting. Yeah. All right. 15th man. Look, where I went with the 15th man has nothing to do with their actual ability to contribute to the team. Over the course of this decade, the Raptors use their 15th man very, very infrequently. We're also playing with two-way contract rules. So effectively, this could be the 17th man. What you want in the 15th man is you want someone who the crowd will be excited to see. Someone that'll keep people tuned in in a blowout if they get on the floor. Uh, Someone who is unique and has maybe a quirky backstory. And then it doesn't hurt if they have some longevity in that role. To me, there was no question that Bruno Caboclo is the last man off the bench on this team. I'm now thinking back to the article I wrote about uh, the 20 best ma- moments in Eric Anderson or Scotiabank history, Scotiabank Arena history. And I don't think the Milwaukee I, debut. I don't think I included that. And, and maybe I should have. Uh, Truly one of the great nights of the most fun nights of the decade. Like, you know, no, none of that, like, Raptors defining anxiety around. Just a joyous night of Bruno. Uh, that was great. Gotta have. That's a, what you want in your 15th And, hand. you know, content producer extraordinaire. Yeah, I mean a reason to pay attention to the 905. His his page views per minute played ratio might never be topped in Raptors history. That's uh, true. Uh just and when you're looking at the other options, you got Malachi Richardson, Julian Stone, whose signing I almost broke, and 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 we don't have to go down that road. But then I, I was scooped. No, tell it. Uh, basically his agent was asking me to wait for something and in the interim Woj tweeted it out. So scoop ah, by yeah. Woj, 
rough one. Julian Stone, who was the most, who was an extremely Maasai player before we knew what Maasai's type was. Looking back, like a six foot five point guard that he had in Denver and Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Linus Kleza, no thanks. Uh, Razul Butler, rest in peace. I don't. I don't say that glibly. Uh, he was along with uh, Jamal McGlure and who was the backup? There was a veteran. Was it Derek Martin? They had that year too. Um, I that, don't think so. They had Aaron Gray. I feel like there was a Gary, there was another point guard, but maybe I'm mixing up years. Gary Forbes. Definitely not. Anyway, there was a... They had tr- John Lucas the next year. Yeah. Is that who you uh, No. I, well, it's not important. They had a tro- troika of veterans who Dwayne Casey was using to try and uh, use as examples to his defense-deficient team. Uh, and Alexa, Alexa Sajinsa, uh, in case you wanted a bit of a Colangelo feel. Uh, those were your 15th men options. I really don't think there's any choice. But, Bruno... Uh, did you pick rookie year, Bruno? Uh, I picked, I broke the rule for Bruno because okay. you could pick like all the years are the same. And uh, I don't know. We got four years of is Bruno active yeah. on Twitter. And I just, it doesn't matter. Like all the years were the exact same. If I had to pick, I'd pick rookie one because you get the Milwaukee game. Yeah. But it was the one spot where I broke the rule because it's more about the four years of Bruno than. Yeah, but you also, if you pick him, you you have to send him down to Fort Wayne, uh, which is problematic. The rookie year, Bruno. Yeah, it was. Okay, let's round this thing out. Uh, in the two two-way spots, I picked 2017-18 Lorenzo Brown and 2018-19 Chris Boucher. They both won an MVP in the G League. No offense to my guys Jordan Lloyd and Malcolm Miller, um, but, you know, those guys won MVPs. Not a, not a lot of question marks there. Late in the year... If it comes up, we're signing Ben Uzo to a 10-day. Ben Uzo gets a 10-day spot. Are you happy, Eric? Uh, very much so. You were you Your email back to me when you said Ben Uzo got snubbed very much told me that you didn't read the whole thing. You just scanned the names quickly. Well, listen, it's, you know, I'm not as invested into the 10-day signing as you are. I wish I could remember more of the 10-day signings. Uh, again, I think Al- Alan. There Anderson. actually were. F- Go ahead. Yeah, there were fewer than I rem- than I expected when I went back. Uh, Alan Anderson, I believe, began as a ten day signing, and he resulted in good off day content for me. So uh, I'm partial to that one, kind of. Also, a really good quote. Um, so, but this isn't about me, I guess. Uh, also, he had the Vince Wince face. <laughs> he had the same he had the same like mad at the referee face as Vince Carter. Yeah. Uh and like kind of Demar a little bit. Yeah. All right, let's round this thing out. I have Jordan Lloyd on the bench in a suit. He's not on the roster, but he gets to be there just in case. He's crouching. an iconic he's, moment. He's crouching, perpetually crouching. Your Raptors 905 starting 5 is Brady Heslip, Axel Tupon, Malcolm Miller, Ronald Roberts, and Eddie Tavares. Those are obviously not including the two ways. Yeah, I am not going to get into that. There's a a lot of talent there. I'm going to defer to your institutional knowledge of Raptors 905. Okay, so some of of the tough exclusions here for me, just because I'm sure people will have their own uh, why wasn't this guy included or whatever. Uh, Let me just list off some of them. 
Playoff Ibaka from last year. All of last year's Danny Green. Playoff 2015-16 Bismack Biombo. Uh, Jose Calderon as a legacy guy. Ed Davis specifically for you. I wanted to try to find him and work him in there somewhere so you guys could talk, you know, trade your dating stories or whatever. Um, OG Ananobi's 2019-2020 so far. Although he's up against Kawhi Leonard, so good luck. Uh, the 13 games of Andrea Bargnani in 2011-2012. Tyler Hansbrough's two playoff starts in 2014-2015. <laughs> that time I saw Landry Fields trying to learn how to shoot threes left-handed because his right wrist was so bad. And Nigel Hayes shooting an arrow at the Knicks bench and immediately being pulled from the game. Uh, that was amazing. God. That, that, he was he a ten day? He was a ten day, right? He was a ten day, yeah. And then you wrote the story about how he was spying uh, either on the Raptors. He was or an the op. Knicks. I forgot. Well, yes. you know, he could have spying been. on the Raptors for the Knicks. Yes, yes. Um, or we, Raptors nine oh five rather. Yeah, and did the Rap did Raptors nine oh five win that year? Or was that the year after they won? No, it was the year after. Okay. Well, uh, who's is Stack your Raptors nine oh five coach over Jammer? Uh, I think it has to be. He won a ring. Yeah. I didn't go into coaches in this. Yes. But um, Tom Sterner, obviously, doing the halftime interviews. Uh, do you have uh, Tomislav Zubchich or uh, DeAndre Hewlett as your guy you can throw in with a top 55 protected second pick, second round pick? It would have to be Zubchich because DeAndre Hewlett was drafted in 2000, so technically he wouldn't qualify for this decade's team. Zubchich was around though, right? Like I think he was in the Terrence Quincy uh, draft, I believe is when. Yeah, when he and drafted. he was um, he he also played in the G League a couple years ago. Ah, so he's still a thing. So that's what he's up to. Yeah. Um, and what's your? Do you have a, a favorite commercial from? Or I guess maybe the Barniani Primo Pasta is the. Is like the, the Hey Dude Pizza Pizza one's really good too. Yeah, I, we'd have to check though if that that was 0910. Oh, I, oh, I, I wonder if it came out uh, in 2010 or in 2009 because I feel like we could break the rule for that um, if it did come. Yeah, out. I think we can we can honor that commercial and Tasmelis dancing around the city in a Hey Dude Turkaloo <laughs> jersey. Check out No Dunks on the Athletic Podcast Network. By the way, noise. Uh, you did a great job, man. Uh, it's, uh, uh, as I said, you are truly a sick fuck, and you did this assignment more than it's justice. Uh, you, yeah, an assignment I, I wasn't thrilled to do, and then spent days. Then you got obsessed sure about it, painstakingly right? well. Yeah, yeah, and like, well, I shouldn't say painstakingly well because I don't know that the article turned out that fun. But yeah, I'm confident that this is the best. Raptor team you could put together under the unnecessary restrictions I put myself under. <laughs> that that should also be the tagline of like basically all of our coverage. Um, great job, great job by you. Uh, ten out of ten, eighty four out of eighty two, and do do they go sixteen and zero in the playoffs? I don't think you can. I don't think it's very. They have to lose game one of the playoffs. <laughs> it's all decade team Raptors. Who's their Who's their playoff? What's their playoff opponent to run? Uh, let's wrap this up. But but who's do we get Brooklyn in round one? Uh, the thirteen fourteen Nets. And See, this is this is tough because 
I, yeah. You I want KG and Paul is... Pierce on the other side. That would be the most fun, I think. You do, but, okay, so I guess then what I, you can't punt the Sixers in round two, though. I want the Wizards in here somewhere because the Raptors and Wizards had this weird nonsense rivalry where both teams were bad or like no, at least not good and they seemed to really dislike each other and the fan bases disliked each other on Twitter but it was like the most meaningless like it is the most like Zack Ryder has a feud on Monday Night Raw kind of feud yeah and you, in that and you would get the DeLon uh, Wright versus uh, Kelly Oubre there you go uh, yeah we can we can go with the Nets the Nets was the best first round series I don't think there's any choice but to go Sixers round as a round two. Yeah. As good as as good and ugly as that Miami series was. Yeah. Can we have Frank Vogel coach the Nets in that series <laughs> to merge our first round stuff together? Uh sure. Uh and then Cavs or Bucks in round three. Uh well, I mean You want the alternative uh, how, universe. How are we where, doing this? There are no rules. We're making them out up on the spot. I think you want to beat LeBron, okay. right? Yes, yes. I want to beat LeBron, and that was also, I think, short of um, the – up until the, the championship run, that was the best crowd I've ever been a part of. I, I, during that I'm i still a stand for uh, the Game 7 of the Nets series, uh, but uh, – I was not there, yeah. so. Susta- sustained over a series, I think you're probably right. The playoff crowds have generally been amazing uh, over this run. You're gonna, it's gonna be, what did uh, a hot building, a hot building, hot gym? That's what Dwayne Casey would have said. Be a hot gym. And then uh, I'm going with the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. Controversial. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, obviously the Raptors won it all. They go 16 and one. They uh, they lose Game One at home after locking up the first seed with an 84 and negative two record. And then <laughs> drop game one. Oh, boy. What does Kyle shoot? Oh, he doesn't. <laughs> okay. I think we're done. He's, pe- <laughs> he's tired of people talking about his game one shooting percentages. <laughs> so he's just like, here, nil. <laughs> the old, uh, who did that? Gilbert Arenas did it. I think Kobe sort of did it. Kobe did. Game. Kobe spent like a whole half doing yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the problem. That's the kind of... <laughs> That's the kind of petty I want to get to. That's the proper note, I think, to add this on. All right. Uh, thanks for listening along, guys. Check that piece out at theathletic.com uh, slash Raptors or theathletic.com slash Toronto. Um, Eric's all-decade piece looking back at the Kyle Lowry trade and the impact that it had not only on the Raptors but on the NBA as a whole is also up, and it's very good, and you should check that out. Eric, thanks so much for looking back on the decade with me and conceding that I made a perfect inarguable, unassailable, all-decade team that no one should even bother commenting on in the comments because it's perfect. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, I mean, maybe you're the GM of the all-decade Raptors team. No. No way, man. Tolzman, for sure. <laughs> they don't. Tolzman identified all these guys, man. Yeah, that's true. Underrated. All right, all right guys. Thanks for listening. Eric, thanks, buddy. See ya! See ya!